Live from the Tech Talk studios in the nation's capital and the heartland of America. It's Tech Talk. Well, guess what? It's Friday, Jay. It's time. Again? It is time. We got to find another opening. We got to find another opening for it's Friday kind of a thing. <laughs> you think? I kind of like it. It's so goofy. It, like it's, it, it's is, so, it totally fits us. It fits us, doesn't it? It does. You know, it's it's time to come together again and talk a little bit about healthcare technology, what's going on in the world, how we are trying to change the world out there with healthcare technology, get doctors to understand healthcare and the technology associated with it. And uh, we've got a guest on today, both of us know and have known for a little while. Let's introduce him and get to talking to him, Jay. Yeah, I mean, I am super excited to have my brother here, Chris Anderson, Dr. Chris Anderson. Chris, man, you've got so many credentials. You've been doing so much at the state level, at the national level. Uh, We're going to have a great conversation today, but do me a favor, my friend. Um, tell the, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you've been doing, uh, and, and the work that you've been doing to help support chiropractors and the patients that we serve. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, great to be here, Brad and Jay, both of you. I, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be on the pod, but also want to let you both know that I've been a, a pretty consistent listener. So really enjoy the, the Friday banter. It's one of my favorite <laughs> Friday afternoon activities, but now I guess I'll just have to put that off. Oh no, we're going to banter with you. We're going to, you're going to be part of the banter now. I can't wait. Uh, But yeah, no, I'm, I'm up in North Dakota. I uh, practice with my wife, who's also a chiropractor and uh, she runs our our private practice. So I get a chance to work uh, part-time at a community health center called Spectre Health. I do that a couple days a week and really trying to, trying to push uh, into that uh, area and build out a lot of uh, space for chiropractors to integrate in in those settings across our state. Um, I'm I just finished up my role with the North Dakota Chiropractic Association as president a couple months ago now, and I'm trying to to find my way now that I'm just a simple immediate past president. But uh, then, yeah, like you said, uh, at the national level, I do a lot with the ACA uh, with their different, a couple different boards, advisory boards I serve on. And then I'm also the, uh, the advisor for the AMA, uh, Ruck Hickpack, which is just a bunch of letters. <laughs> means, uh, you know, we, we get together with the AMA three times a year and, and talk about codes and value. So, uh, yeah. And then in my spare time, I try to, uh, to keep up and, and, and push, uh, towards, uh, better tools for chiropractors use in practice. So we can, you know, communicate with, with the rest of the healthcare team for our patients. And, uh, in that regard, I'm just trying to keep up with you, Jay. Yeah, no, did you, you more than keep up with me, my friend. So you also, Recording in you, progress. Are, you are a clinical compass, uh, board member, right? Yes. Uh, what's, what's the role that you play there? I'm the secretary now, which is a job I never dreamed of having because in the past I've been a horrible secretary for other, for <laughs> other boards. Let's but... face it. It's a shitty job. Like who wants to take notes all day long? Like it's terrible, but we appreciate you doing it, man. You are, you're definitely soon to be a, a chairman. I mean, you will be chairman shortly, I'm sure. So it's going to be great to have you in that leadership role because I can't think of a better person to, to be in line for that role than you. Um, and then maybe you could also just explain for the audience out there, because community health centers 
might not be fully understood. So maybe explain to the audience a little bit about what the community health center program is and also like why, why you're involved. Yeah, absolutely. The community health center is actually something that I, I was, I was aware of the role that chiropractors could play in the health center, but I, I really hadn't pursued it until one day we were, we happened to be in a meeting for the state association and the medical director for the health center here locally as we were talking before the meeting just happened to make the joke that, well, we, we should have a chiropractor working for us. And I said, I said, yeah, you should. And she said, Oh, well, you want a job? And I said, yeah, I do. And you know, the, the way, and, and that's ultimately how it started. Wow. That's uh, so cool. And that, that was going on three years ago now, but, but the health center model is really built out so that uh, it's a team-based approach so that you can see, the patients who typically don't have access to medical care. So in, in our community in Grand Forks, the main campus for Spectra is downtown next to the mission. So there's a lot of uh, homeless people who get their health care from Spectra. Uh, I see primarily a lot of, you know, Medicaid and Medicare patients. And in the health center model, because uh, it's called a federally qualified health center, FQHC, there are subsidies through the government, through different programs that actually make a value-based care possible. It's not fee-for-service. It's, it's a truly value-based uh, reimbursement model so that they benefit from me seeing those patients and limiting the number of prescription drugs they might use to help people who have musculoskeletal pain, uh, the, the number of images that they uh, may have ordered in the past. So the, I mean, we're still building out the uh, team so that uh, when it, when someone comes to see me, they're not just seeing uh, the chiropractor, they have access to primary care, they have access to behavioral health, they have access to social work, you know, all of those um, services live under one roof. And it's our job to collaborate, coordinate all their care. And it's, uh, it's an amazing uh, health center that I work for. They're not all the same. Uh, it's not a coincidence that the health center I work for is the only uh, patient-centered medical home system in our entire state. That includes hospital systems and every everyone. It's because they they put the resources into doing care coordination, and, and they really push and innovate to help patients. And in this case, it's uh, you know patients I would never see in my private practice. So it, it's a it's a great experience. I started. Uh, with with literally just my portable table, and you know, eventually they got some grant money together, and and I've got a fantastic uh, flexion distraction table now that I can do a lot more services with. And, nice. And, and we're just we're trying to grow it so that I can be there uh, more often, or that uh, someone, if it's not me, can be there full time, and and we can really scale this. So in the, I'm going to channel my, my inner Brad cost here, but like in the spirit of data aggregation, what, what are you able to see? Um, can you, is there comparative data between let's say your health center and other healthcare centers across the state or across the country? Because obviously you're creating tremendous value by, by being there. How much, how much are you, how much are you learning about as it relates to the data? So those data are definitely available. The one thing about a health center model is that, because it's a, a federally, that part, that word is important. They collect so much data on patients and, and the interactions that uh, I haven't seen it firsthand, but I know it's available. And, and then as far as comparing outside of our health center, you know, those are the sorts of things that, that I know, you know, 
tools that Brad's helped develop are just vital to being able to use uh, so that you can capture the real value that having a chiropractor on the team adds. And it's, yep. it's just a great setting. Yep, 100%. Yeah, you know, we do a tremendous amount with FQHCs. We, we've got a multi-million dollar grant from one state FQHC association right now that we've been building out those tools. You know, their data reporting is is for the justification of the HRSA grants for that UDS and HEDIS reporting. We've built some amazing models for that where we actually inquire into the personnel files and their financial record files, and we match all of that up in an ongoing, using AI, ongoing analytical dive uh, we upload every night at midnight uh, 47 uh, FQH facilities just for this one state. And by 6 o'clock the next morning, all of that data is analyzed and ready at a provider level that tells them what's going on. And we look at things like in gap in care. Uh, we're modeling, of course, in FQHCs very deeply, Medicare and Medicaid services because those are pretty cool. But the one thing I'm really excited, I just finished the Social Determinants of Health tools uh, that we're offering under this grant, that it's going to be the deepest dive of, of social determinants, not only just tracking them, uh, assigning them so you know what what SDOHs apply to those patients. And we're currently looking at 21 different uh, SDOH in this tool, but it's really got an unlimited bottomless bucket of, of adding new ones. We have unlimited questions that you can use, prepare questions for the physician to inquire with the patient to help determine. But the cool thing I've been able to add in the last set is follow up with all of that. So if, if you need referral services, you can go out and search our databases, or you can go, we've got a new um, embedded API for Google that will let you search those resources and then assign them. And then we're using analytics to follow those patients with our lighting technology, red, green, and yellow technology to say, this referral is going well, it's green, or there's some issues with it, it's yellow, or it is completely failed, you need to start that process all over. And we think it's going to be dynamic and change the overall aspects. I commend you greatly because I've been talking about this for the last year in the chiropractic world, and it's essentially unknown. Jay's been the first to take hold of it and understand the concepts I've been trying to talk with him about it. And it fits chiropractic so well in many, many different aspects of looking at the whole mind and body, uh, looking at those determinants, Chris, to see that really. And I think the correlation when we tie this data back to the determinants I think he's going to show a tremendous amount of service that chiropractors are going to be able to give, uh, conservative health are going to be able to give to this level of, of patients that's out there. So I commend you greatly for doing that. Yeah, 100%. No, I, I, I just, hearing you talk about all those things, Brad, I, I hope that the listeners uh, who are chiropractors are sophisticated enough to understand everything you just said, because even even the, the concept of prepare that tool to measure or at least try and capture the social determinants. So, so few of us actually have any concept of some of these tools that are available, let alone measuring and tracking and acting on them. And, and just uh, the, the tools I have at my disposal in the health center immediately are just the EHR, which in our system, we use the Epic system. So I can at least see some of the details about their health history. And we get a, a, just a little sliver of some of that information, but 
as far as uh, when I compare that that experience to my private practice, I feel like I'm um, just kind of putzing around in the dark because those data aren't available to me. This tool's coming to you. I built it to be a standalone tool. I'm really going to try to work with Jay to incorporate it in some of the tools that he's developed. So it's readily accessible to any specialty. And, it, and really, I've aimed it for chiropractic. We have built it for the FQHCs of America. We're working with this large group now to move into many different states of FQHC. It's a whole different world. Um, again, this state has a total of 92 FQHCs, and we've contracted with 47 of them. And it's amazing data that we're getting. We're serving 2.2 million patients through that single contract alone. And uh, I just I think it's just an amazing way to reach out. And I, and I did a tremendous amount of research building the tool. And it, it, in my heart, you know, going out, I did the marketing pieces along with my graphic designer. And, and I wanted a marketing piece that really touched people's heart and, and really understood it. And man, when I pulled images of kids sleeping in cardboard boxes, uh, people that had been incarcerated, uh, families that were homeless and had food insecurity issues, it tears at your heartstrings. I meant it to do that because it's that serious of a problem in America. We can go out and get immigrants all that we want to, but there is a huge population already existing in America that needs our help. And it's guys like you that are going to jump in and, and be the leaders in solving that. And I think it is just the perfect alignment for conservative care. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think, you know, Chris, you bring up a really good point about providers out there understanding, um, you know, social determinants of health, but also that, you know, what's the technology behind identifying it and then providing providers information that they can actually use to make a difference with their patients. So for those of you that are not really familiar with social determinants of health, you know, there's lots of information out there. You could just literally Google it. Um, there's good infographics. There's good articles out there that you can read to understand how these literally these determinants are determining whether or not I was so that was very um, that was from the school of repetitive repetitiveness. Um, but how these variables are determining people's health and how we need to bring this into the fold when evaluating and treating patients. So the fact that you're seeing this wide variety of patients is really cool. Chris, can you tell us about the types of cases that you're seeing? Are you seeing like neck and back and shoulders and knees? Or are you seeing like all kinds of stuff? Like what are you seeing? I see the typical things that you'd expect, you know, mm -hmm. as far as the primary care uh, providers in our setting are all advanced nurse practitioners. So they'll do an initial assessment, but ultimately we've gotten to a point now where we've built a relationship that they'll send pretty much anyone who has any kind of musculoskeletal complaint to me. And, and at first they would, they would send them to me, but they probably still write a script for some kind of pain management uh, they may still order an image, but but now we've gotten to a point where they they trust me well enough and understand what we do that uh, that that they still sometimes call it magic. They say, "Well, I'm sending them to you to work your magic," and I, I try to back away from that as much as I can. There's nothing magical about it. Um, there's nothing special about me as a chiropractor. Uh, you know, you throw a rock and hit a Cairo, and they'll be able to do the same thing. Uh, it, it's just a matter of of uh, the communication aspect. I, I think I might be. Um, it might be a, a skill that I bring to the table. Yeah. Um, education is huge, right? Yeah. Education is huge. Like they really don't huge. know what we do, right? They have they no, have no idea, idea what we do. They have no idea. Yeah. Uh, the, the, but my favorite though, really with, with the health center is that we have the, 
only or the first uh, providers who are certified in MAT, which is medication-assisted therapies for opioid abuse and opioid use disorders. And they have those folks on a really restricted and, and tight program to monitor them as they use their um, opioid replacement therapies. And they started uh, sending those patients to me just to deal with regular pain management because they found that if those patients ended up with some subtle back pain or some sort of discomfort, they would start using their prescription opiate more frequently throughout the month. And they would just burn through that prescription faster. So they started sending them to me just, and most chiropractors would see what I do with those patients as classic maintenance care. It really is. It's, it's just adjusting them, trying to help them move and feel better. And as far as, you know, that classical medical necessity is, uh, it doesn't look as clear cut with those patients as you might think, Sure, but it's a huge benefit to them because they have a lot of complexity in their, in their life. And they're trying to get over uh, and through their opioid use disorder with medication and, and having a chiropractor there to help manage them through that is, uh, is a really fun thing. And there's, there's been a little bit of work published about this concept, but I, did, I love it. It's, it's a lot of fun and they need our help and they respond to it um, really well. So it's, that's been one thing that you just don't get in your private practice. Yeah. I mean, like, as you're talking, there are two things that come to mind. First is the visualization of the SnapHX tool that Brad built, because literally when, when you, and we will see this because Brad's data will be probably universal, but it's like, you see the intervention that's done by the medical provider, and then you see where chiropractic comes in, and then you see how that patient, their journey, how they literally progress. And, and I think that type of visualization of data is going to be tremendously impactful for uh, the patients, for us as, as a profession, uh, but the healthcare system at large, for sure. And then the second thing I think about is like, you know, like, I've known you for quite some time. You're amazing to work with. You know, you you sit on so many boards and you are so involved in advocacy and policy work and research work. And, you know, you're still out there busting your butt, changing, you know, changing lives, literally one patient and also one provider, meaning the medical provider at a time. And so the work that you do is incredibly commendable. So, so thank you for that. Yeah, guys, we got to take a break. But Chris, when we come back, I want to talk just a touch again on social determinants, because something that you said that struck at my heart was the fact is, you know, typically they're prescribing opioid kind of medications. That's absolutely the wrong thing in this kind of scenario. Most of the people that are that are considered in social determinant needs, it is the wrong thing, but they suffer from terrible nutrition in many cases. That's the number one piece is as food insecurity. They don't know where their next meal's coming from. And I got to be honest, in every state that I've looked, there are tremendous networks of connections for food today. And, but guys like you just don't have the resources to find those very easily. And, and our new system takes care of that for you and makes it really easy. And it, it's not a difficult thing. It can be iPhone, it can be desktop. And, uh, and, you know, I'm trying to give that out as much as I can uh, to help change that. And the other thing I want to talk to you about is, and Jay, I think this is an amazing place for chiropractic to step back into Medicaid and Medicare because they've been sort of removed because there are huge movements in both of those groups to take, take in these social determinants, uh, people that have these type of histories. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back. 
We're talking with uh, Dr. Chris Anderson. I'm Brad Koss, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. As a Cairo Health USA provider, we're excited to work with you to identify which of your discounts are good, bad, or illegal. Most chiropractors bend over backwards to make their care affordable. Unfortunately, dual fee schedules, false claims, inducement violations, and time of service discounts can all put you at risk. And, no offense, everybody's doing it doesn't work with auditors. At Cairo Health USA, we're here to help protect and grow your practice. Just listen to our provider stats. 20% overall practice growth versus 2019. Over 50% of CHUSA patients renew their membership year after year. Over 2,500 patients per month use our provider's search directory to find a CHUSA provider. At Cairo Health USA, our purpose is simple. It's to improve the quality of life for our doctors, their teams, and their patients. With over 5,000 providers and nearly a million patients, Cairo Health USA is the network that works for chiropractic. For more information, call 888 888- 719-9990 or visit www.chirohealthusa.com. Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk. What's up, everybody? It is Tech Talk. I'm here with my good friends, Mr. Brad Koss and Dr. Chris Anderson. Um, Brad is chomping at the bit right now. We just went on a little break, and, and Brad always has like these great thoughts and ideas when we have our breaks, and he starts talking. I'm like, hey, man, we got to record this. So, Brad, I want, I, want you to, I want you to make your comments, ask your questions to Chris. Well, you know, I, I was telling Chris, he, and I don't know Chris near as well. Chris, Chris joined us uh, last year, year before last, I think, at uh, Nationals in Florida at a, a bourbon party that I was hosting for executives VIPs. And, and he and I talked and, and got to know each other just a little bit. And and Chris shares some great passions as both a, a, a chiropractor and, more, more importantly, as a human being. And, and uh, you know, I've, I've actually taken in some of these social determinants personally into my heart. And, and, and it, is, it is the place, Chris, and you have been elevated in my eyes in that process just because of what you're trying to do. But I'm going to challenge you, Chris. You've got to go to your leadership roles where you're being a leader and, and you've got to step up with this because it'll fall down if we don't. It, it's really Jay and I and you talking about it now. And we've got to grow that to six people that are going to grow that to 12 people to get to a thousand people. I spoke at our last talk in uh, St. Augustine, I think, and I had quite a few people come up after the class and ask about that along with SNAP. SNAP is a great tool, but I built the social determinants as a, as a totally separate standalone tool if you don't want to use SNAP because I believe that strongly in it. SNAP, I added chiropractic which my chief medical officer wasn't too excited about because he's a traditional emergency room doc. But the fact is, 
we have to let chiropractors see all of this data, the ways that they're being treated by the other physicians in that patient's life, the medication that they're taking. You guys have never had access of, of that data before. And where you can use an app and look at it for 30 seconds or one minute before you see your patient and you see every other diagnosis, every other procedure that every other physician has done and their entire medication list as it exists, I think you guys can change the world in big, big ways. So again, kudos to you and I'll get off of that point. But anything I can do resource-wise to help you move that message, I want to do that for you. No, I appreciate the the kudos, and and I mentioned to you guys both that I, I feel like uh, when I step into the community health center role, I knew enough to say yes when it was an opportunity. But as far as my ability to you know deliver an outcome with patients, there's not anything special or unique about me. I don't teach technique classes. I'm I'm not some magical adjuster, and there's there's nothing inherently special about what I do. It's it's just chiropractic. And what I think is really great about what you're describing, Brad, is that it gives us the potential or gives me hope that at some point, the average chiropractor who decides to open up their private practice or whatever setting they may be, they're going to have the information about their patient at their fingertips. And not only will they have that information available, but they'll be able to communicate with the rest of the providers and physicians on the patient's healthcare team. And I think that's where we where there's a huge uh, challenge uh, when it comes to be able to coordinate care, communicate effectively, and demonstrate the things that we know happen in our clinics every day and that the nurses and nurse practitioners who I work with in the health center see happen with patients in the health center now every day when I'm there, but what too few other medical providers get a chance to observe. And if we can use that data and use the outcomes that we create and, and create a two-way street of communication with the rest of the providers on the healthcare team. That's really the vision I have for healthcare in general is that I know that if I work one-on-one or collaborate with the healthcare team for my patient, that I'm going to be able to demonstrate to the rest of the healthcare team that I know my patient, I know our patient, and I have their best interests in mind. And the things that I see and can bring to the table can be, uh, you know, things that add to their treatment plan. And then it becomes our treatment plan. And by, able, by being able to build up that trust through not only, uh, you know, compelling story where the patient says, I feel so much better after going to the chiropractor. But if they start to see the data roll in, especially the aggregated data that demonstrates that when chiropractors are part of the team, that we get much better results and the value is so much higher, you know, that's the vision I really have to be able to take what I can see happening at the FQHC, just my little FQHC, and expand that to my private practice and in our state, and then beyond that. And that's, it, it takes, um, it takes the tools that you're developing. But ultimately, uh, you know, healthcare is local, and it takes the personal relationships that you can build as a, as a local healthcare provider to really change things in the community, but it it really, it takes both. Well, that's so true because it all boils down to that trust factor. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a trusted relationship. Healthcare is that true in in really in any specialty, but I believe chiropractors and I want to always say the conservative caregivers, um, they, they have a special 
a special connection that many primary care and other specialists don't have. There are some great primary care docs out there. We had two days last week in Austin, Texas, with one of the top FQHC CEOs in the state, and they are on fire to change this world. Uh, they they have these HCCN networks all across the United States, which are really HRSA grants that in, in multi-million dollar grants all across in every state that are funding these changes to bring about this collective uh, data collaboration. And they've tried it. This will be their third attempt, and the first two failed because they didn't get hold of the right company. And, you know, we've taken some drastic steps into the way we develop software. And because with the Claims Clearinghouse, we are so used to transactional pieces right and left of handling uh, procedures, diagnosis, money, the transactional piece that a lot of analytical companies just don't have in the understanding. And they don't have that big funnel to collect claims. And I don't I don't care who you talk to, claims is still gonna be the leading king in data collection because it happens daily, hourly, we collect it so fast, we can respond so fast to it. There are some limits but we now fully integrate in an agnostic way to many EHR systems and can collect that information, and then we build a hybrid of that. But the EHRs, and you mentioned earlier in HIE, they're still a struggle because they're highly profit-motivated groups, and they're, they still charge huge chunks of money. Last year alone, I spent a quarter of a million dollars uh, in connection fees connecting to 15 different EHR systems. That's insane. That's, you know, that's insane. That's, and, and if you listen to our podcast with Mark Alba uh, from the – we talked about the Cures Act. That's going to change a huge piece of that. It's still got to happen. You know, it got postponed because of COVID. Uh, and they're still – you know, the big EHR systems of the world are still fighting tooth and nail to prevent that information going out in a programmatic way. Sure, they recognize what the law says. They'll let you collect one patient at a time. But you got to sit there and hit the enter button each time. They won't let a company like ours come in and say, okay, we want every patient from eight, eight to five the previous day, download that into our system. And uh, we've really had to fight for the ability to be able to do that. So I, I think that's cool. What do you well, give us some of your experience? I need to stop talking here. Give us some of the, your experiences with collecting data. And you mentioned the HIE. Tell us a little bit about that. I'd like to hear about that and understand that. And Chris, yeah. make sure that you explain what an HIE is just for those that don't know about it. Well, I can tell you my experience with our, our state HIE. So HIE is Health Information Exchange. And the, the HIE we work with is called ND-HIN, which is just ND Health Information Network. So the HIN is what we call it. And the way we got connected to the HIN is they were trying to, and this goes back probably five or six years at least, and they've been trying to get providers and health systems to, to connect. And they have, they have information for, at this point, it's, it's probably, you know, well over 1.2 million um, individual lives, you know, in the HIN system. And, and just for reference, North Dakota doesn't have 800,000 people. So this is a, 
a state-run information exchange that collects uh, health information on everyone who's interested or willing to to opt in. You can opt out if you don't want your information available, but it's just a way for different health entities to access the most relevant health information of a patient if they present. It, it, it's sort of the uh, the way to address or create interoperability when you, you can't rely on the individual uh, EHRs to to create it themselves because their customers don't want it. Uh, so so the way our the way that hen, the hen works is you know we have the ability to log in and ours is web based. You can create a single sign on uh, option that that uh, integrates with your health uh, EHR. You know, as far as the chiropractic profession is concerned, I haven't found an, an EHR that's uh, willing to do that work um, and create that single sign-on. So we still use the web-based platform. But what's really nice about it in my private practice, again, is that I can log in, I can find a patient, and I can see the tests that they've had done. I can see especially their radiology uh, images and reports. So we are our private practices right across the street from the imaging center. So I can send people across the street and have the images in the, in the PAC system within the hour and, and see the images and have the report and have all that available uh, really pretty quickly. The other thing I use it for when I do DOT exams is, uh, is actually being able to verify the information that I get from someone who's come in, to, to get their medical certificate. If they're not an established patient, sometimes if you're not familiar with how that process works, they'll, they'll shop around sometimes looking for someone to get them, get a card and being able to verify that information. So, you know, pretty handy at times. Uh, but really what, what I hope that it can be is that not only is it a, just a one-way street where health systems pour patient information into the platform, but they have, a direct secure messaging uh, uh, component to it as well. So that if I have a patient and I want to send the primary care physician, we collect that information from all of our patients. Who's your primary care physician? Is it okay if we you know, uh, communicate with them to coordinate care? So rather than putting together a letter or sending it snail mail or having to fax it or trying to track down information for a provider who we don't know or are not familiar with, you know, we, we want to be able to use the Andy Hinn to be able to send direct secure messages to their provider, to their, their care team. And that's a feature of our health information exchange that exists, but it, uh, ultimately it, it really doesn't function. It's clunky. Uh, I, I, we've been on countless meetings trying to, uh, work with the people that are, and this is a state agency. So, you know, if you're if you're familiar with working with state agencies, things move slowly and are expensive, and then the outcomes uh, usually don't come quickly, and and that's what we've experienced. But it's really, um, you know, our vision to be able to integrate our practice into the Andy Hinn so that we can communicate directly with our patients' uh, healthcare team, so that they can be kept up to date with what's going on with their health overall, with their care in our clinics and do that in a way that fits into the other physician's workflow. It, it isn't a fax coming over. It's not, you know, some snail mail showing up. It's, uh, it's a message that shows up and populates into the EHR. So that's really what we envision. Uh, but 
it it doesn't it doesn't uh, deliver on the goods, but it's been it's been a long <laughs> hard struggle, and more downs and ups. But but we're we're still plugging away at it. And I say we because you know another doc, you know Jay, uh, Dr. Carson Muth, and I. Uh, you mentioned Brad about the cost of some of these things. You know we're supported actually from a grant that the North Dakota Department of Health has through the CDC, and it's a hypertension grant. And they support work that we're doing to create uh, to to capture more folks who are at risk for a, a cardiac event by measuring blood pressures in our offices. And the way we've connected that to the HIN is that we've been able to screen patients, advise them about their risk, but then that refer. We use an, an what's called the ask advise refer model, and that refer element is really what we're we're pushing hard on in this project. And it's all wrapped into being able to send a referral directly to their primary care about their hypertension. Mm-hmm. So that's the way we've, uh, I think, creatively managed to stay in the game, as it were, with the HIN and, and try to, to continually give them information and iterate and iterate and iterate and ask them to change things. But um, it, it's, a, it's, it's a not easy work, and, it, and we're lucky to have some support for it. So let me ask a question. I know we might have to go to break soon, but I just want to know in terms of adoption, you know, you've got a patient, they come in for a typical chiropractic condition. You, you message the provider, what what kind of adoption rates are you getting where you're getting some sort of a response that says, Hey, thanks for the information or um, good to know, like any kind of response to acknowledge that they're receiving the information and even acting on it if necessary. You know, I wish we were that far down the line, Jay. I mean, that's just how challenging this is. And Brad, you may know a little bit more <laughs> the the real world, real world experience with this, but, you know, we've, we've been working really hard with our local health system just to get them to uh, include all their providers on that direct secure messaging platform. And a lot of them uh, have been enrolled into the program and don't know it. So the administrators wow. on this, uh, it, you know, they, they create, um, a lot of obstacles and it, it things that you don't even think matter, like the way someone's address is, is um, entered into your EHR. If it's a street or ST, you know, mm-hmm. that could kick, that may kick out a DSM message to their primary, sure. depending on how that health system has their firewall set up or has their membership set up. And the, all the health systems are different. So you have to, you have to go in and, and find all those little landmines that, disrupt the process and, and really ruin it. So yeah. we're, we're not even there yet. From a technology perspective, you would think there'd be some simple solutions. Like I, I see this all the time. I place an order and they're like, are you sure you want this address or would you like the other address that has the last four digits of your zip? It's like it, technologically, it's not that freaking hard. Um, but, but also I think, and, and what I'm learning as I go through my journey in the tech space is aligning incentives is really important because if you want to have any kind of change management, all the incentives have to be aligned because if they're not, everybody's just going to go their own effing way. So um, I, I can imagine what a big kind of lift this is, but, you know, kudos to you for having the tenacity to keep going because ultimately you'll get there. I, I, thank I, you. I, I, think, I hope you're right. Yeah, Chris, it will. I think you will. I mean, it will, but those are programmatic. You know, we're sort of approaching those kind of things with creative destruction because we believe the old systems are so freaking corrupt. It's hard to bring about change to them. We, we asked for a common output from an EHR uh, and 
and everybody should be able to generate it. The problem is the doctors are not very faithful about using the dedicated fields for that information. They want to get into the freeform text fields. Now, we are applying some AI of understanding text and what it means and being able to parse out free freeform text to help in that aspect. But it's been 100 times harder than it should have been. But that just goes to show you that EHRs came up in a little bit of a corrupt uh, methodology. Everybody was throwing a bunch of money, and they were all meant to talk to each other, and that did not happen. And they still do not talk to each other unless you're in the same EHR group or physician group. They don't. And so that's where we said, you know, screw that. We're going to create a whole new that's totally agnostic. And But it's taken a year and a half to connect 15 different EHR systems. And, and what's odd is we may have 15 facilities with the same EHR in every facility is totally using the EHR in a totally different way. And it just, man, my developers and my support teams have been pulling their hair out to, to make that change. We're sort of over the hump. Uh, we've, we're, we've taken on Epic, which is a whole nother, uh, you know, that's a hundred thousand dollar connection fee. Just, just to be able to connect to Epic to say every night at midnight, send me these patients that's just to be able to have them toggle on your access those are the things that interoperability have got to change for all of this to be this is going to happen what we're talking about is going to happen uh you know is is it next year or the year after that I hope this the vision that I have of bringing everybody together in an extremely transparent way, the patient, the doctor, the payers, everybody. And Jay, you talk about incentive. I brought that up at my meeting last week. If I can get a payer to give a doc an extra 10 bucks for taking a blood pressure or some measure metric like that, I think that'll be enough incentive to get them to do that. And and blood pressure and uh, risk analysis for a fall are two huge things when you're looking at the data. And it's perfect for Kairos to do. Yeah, 100%. Um, people don't realize, but but building 15 connections in a year and a half is warp speed. Yeah. Like that is incredibly fast. Yeah. And I'm sure it's frustrating on your end, Brad. I, I, I know that. I get it, uh, but that's 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 an incredible accomplishment, nonetheless. It is, and and you know we've done it right because of our accreditation. We have the very first TD Wrap accreditation for an app in the United States. So when we talk about security, we're talking about a triple identity proofing. So we have to know the identity of that individual, whether it's the patient, the physician, the clinician, from three separate. Uh, proving entities to say, yes, that's who that is. And then we have to do two-factor authentication on top of that at every login. And thank goodness that technology has changed, or in some cases, we're building a new two-factor authentication to be able to make that happen easier on an app. Uh, so that you don't get, we find that doctors get bogged down. If it takes an extra 30 seconds, they're frustrated, ready to throw the thing out. So we, you know, we want the whole transaction from the time they click that button to the time they give the answer. We want the entire transaction to be 30 seconds, not just freaking logging on. So I was going to say five seconds because UX is everything. 
Five seconds, Bill. <laughs> it, boom, boom, boom. it is. Now, but you know, when you're displaying all the information they have, even though we're doing it graphically where the doctor's not reading anything, he's seeing symbols and icons and, you know, beautiful charts and stuff. Um, you know, 30 seconds is, is, is pretty fast. That in my eyes is warp speed. When you're giving the patient's entire history in 30 seconds that a doc can see on their mobile phone before they step in, that's sort of warp speed. But you're right. There's components that a second is too long when you talk about UX design. So listen, guys, let's take another break and come back and wrap up with uh, Dr. Chris Anderson. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Wait, but don't go anywhere. The Canvas app, the app that can take your practice to the next level by providing a customized, direct connection between your practice and patients. Through the new built-in rewards program, Canvas can grow new and existing patient numbers and increase your patient's adherence to care plan. What does your custom dream app look like? Elevate your practice with Kaizenovate. This episode is sponsored by Infinity. In the modern age of electronic data interchange, Infinity is committed to helping clinicians get paid fast so that they can spend less time tracking claims and more times with their patients. As a pro advocate for the healthcare industry, we create tools that make sense for electronic claims processing and business analytics. You couple that with superior support team, we strive to ensure your business is performing at its best. Infinity, committed to the future of claim processing. It's Tech Talk. Welcome back. Uh, this is Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. I like to call him the data doc of talk. He is the man when it comes to healthcare data. Oh, and my puppy. <laughs> and your puppy. Those are my puppies, people. <laughs> We're talking with Dr. Chris Anderson today, a chiropractor, a leader out of uh, North Dakota. He's part of the North Dakota Chiropractic Association. I know. Hey, Chris, 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 do you speak? Do you speak? English up there? Do you speak Canadian? Like, what's going? What, what do you? Which one do you speak? I'm from Iowa, so I can speak whatever you probably want, except <laughs> the deep South, which Brad might have that a little bit better covered than I could. But probably, I'll toss a you bet you in every once in a while. I'm hey. a I'm a there transplant, but hey. I'll get there. Nice, you know. Dude, you know, you're, you're ragging on our guest, Jay. I mean, come I on. Know, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is very involved as a leader in uh, North Dakota and in many er areas of the United States. And so, Chris, again, kudos for the, for that for you. Let's get into some personal things. Are you married? I am. And, and you mentioned, um, you know, the things that I get to do. Uh, are the things I, I get to do because my wife is uh, an excellent chiropractor in her own right. And uh, her name is Dr. Stacy Hallgren, and she runs our private practice. And patients, uh, we joke because patients love her and come in to see her uh, because they want to sit and talk with her, and, and she's great. And then every once in a while, she'll send them across the hall for, for something that I 
can help with instead, you know, for dry needling or some other type of adjustment that she's, she needs my help with, but uh, that doesn't happen very often. So people come in because they want to see her, but sometimes they have to see me and you know, that's kind of how it goes. But uh, no, she's, she's fantastic. She runs uh, not just the practice, but then, uh, you know, the house as well. We live on a small hobby ranch uh, outside of town. And so we have all manner of animals, including four kids. So uh, we're, we're pretty, pretty busy uh, most of the time with all sorts of different things. And so we, we try and uh, the things I get to do is, is really because I'm passionate about it. And that, I mean, that's what I do for fun, I guess, to some extent is some of a lot of the work and uh, working on the boards with, with great people like Jay and, and others uh, on the clinical compass, especially who, uh, you know, it's about the patients for, for these folks and, you know, all, we're, we're just getting together and trying to make this work better for us so that we can help our patients. And, uh, and, and I think about my wife in a lot of those uh, instances, because when it comes to technology, she's, she's, uh, you know, we, we joke, but it's not always that funny that she's kind of cursed when it comes to technology. So ultimately, if I can figure out a way to make it work and, and it'll fit smoothly into her workflow, I know we have something that'll work and scale to everybody. She's like your test case, right? Because if it can work for Stacey, it can work for anybody. Yeah, that's Um, that's very true. (laughs) You've you've got a great family, a beautiful family. I remember seeing them in North Dakota when you were honored as chiropractor of the year. I believe that was 2019, right? That's right. Yeah. Our man was chiropractor of the year, Brad. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah. Amazing things. Amazing things. Are you going to be at FCA National this year? You know, not this year. Um, you know, we were we were kind of toying with the idea of trying to get away. Um, we may end up doing that with the Cairo Congress uh, annual meeting this year instead, but we haven't decided exactly how we want to do that. Still, with, uh, trying to get out of getting out of North Dakota to somewhere else, I didn't think would be so challenging. But we still um, that may be different by the time we get to November. But do you have to drive to one of the surrounding states to get a flight or do they actually have planes that come into North Dakota? <laughs> we, we have actually the, the airport where we live in Grand Forks is one of the busiest airports in the entire country. And it's because we have the University of North Dakota aerospace uh, program here. And your friend and mine, Dr. Cindy Howard, her daughter is actually yeah. a freshman in that program. So, yeah. so we were uh, really fortunate to welcome Cindy up here for our, our first in-person uh, seminar in April was our annual convention. And she spoke um, here in Grand Forks so that she could visit her daughter. And, and she, she joined her for the banquet, actually, too. So, yeah, That's our great. airport gets a lot of traffic uh, with that. And then we have an Air Force base, which is actually... You know, my closest neighbor is a uh, United States Air Force. If you throw a rock across the river uh, and and make it across the fence, you'll be on Air Force property. Wow! So there's That's a lot so of air cool. traffic, a lot of and and then a lot of uh, UAS, which uh, and you know par you know layman parlance is just drones. So we've got oh, wow. we have drone traffic and Air Force traffic and uh, student uh, pilot traffic and you know there's a lot of a lot of stuff happening in the sky up here. I was just pulling your leg Chris. I you know it I that I think is, he knows that, Brad. Uh, yeah, that is one state <laughs> I've not been to. I have been to almost all 50 states, but I have some I have some MD clients up there, uh, some Native American clients in that area. Uh, and I, it's on our bucket list to come up. You should go. Yeah, Fargo. It's on our, Fargo's really and I fun. Were just talking Fargo's about cool taking, the, taking the RV up that way and uh, in the fall, maybe, and doing that. Uh, and she, Brad, yeah. do you know where Cairo Congress is going to be this year? 
Hawaii. Yes, you got to go. I'm going to. I'll be. You got to go too, Chris. It's just going to be too much fun not to go. I mean, like you just got to be like, what the fuck? Let's let's go to Hawaii. Like you just got to do it. It's Hawaii. Aloha. It's Hawaii. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, Chris, I got to ask you, what is the most interesting animal you have on your farm? Oh my, um, most interesting. So the the running joke is that my wife, uh, she's the she's the rancher and I'm the ranch hand because. I'm basically allergic to everything, and oh I, but I but I have to t- I have to feed everything most days. So, at the moment, we have uh, three ponies. We have probably thirty chickens who who lay eggs, which I don't mind that one. But if you don't have farm fresh fresh egg, uh, you know you know what's the point with the rest of what you get in the store? Is my view. Yeah. So that that's a lot of fun. Uh, we have uh, some rescue pot belly pigs. Oh, wow. Uh, Those are probably the most interesting. You know, if you've never been around pigs, especially potbelly pigs there, the reason they're rescues is that folks buy these things and and they're cute little pig. Yeah. And they're supposed to stay small and they are really smart and they're kind of fun. But uh, the ones we have are probably pushing 300 pounds each. So they didn't stay small for long. Wow. And they have a personality. They have a personality about them, too. You know, all the ones that oh, they I've do. seen. Yeah. Are they friendly? They're are like they a, friendly? Do, like do they dog. like you? They're like a they, dog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The pigs are friendly. And they, so when we first, the first two that we rescued, we tried to, uh, you know, they stay outside in our barn and, and we have space for them, but we tried to pin them in. So I tried to build a little fence around where we were keeping them so they would, they would stay away from the horses because they don't, those two don't get along. So hmm. Uh, what we learned quickly was that it was much easier to build a fence to keep the horses out than it was <laughs> to build a fence to, to keep, keep the, the pigs, pigs in because they just do whatever the hell they want. And, oh and I, so we, we stopped, we, we stopped caring about our yard uh, several years ago because they walk around and root and dig things up and it, it's a mess, but you know, it, that's the price you pay for having animals sometimes what about a yeah, goat? that's super you, cool the kids must love it do you have a goat they do. do you have a goat no goats that's the one thing i've said so far uh to stacy that uh no goats I, I i can't handle looking out I, there are enough cats i we have lots of barn cats too so uh enough cats crawl, crawling on cars that i i can't have uh i can't be looking outside and seeing goats on top of my truck that's what about a llama Are you gonna get a llama no, I don't, I don't think we're into llamas. I, I think we can, yeah. anything that's that, that large, I think horses, we'll stick with horses. She talked about getting a cow at one point, but um, some odd mix or breed of, of calf that, I don't know, but um, she's, she's more, she's into some of these odd breeds and I, maybe that's how she ended up with me, but um, <laughs> yeah. Well said. <laughs> That's great. Well, Chris, listen, uh, you know, we get, we run through all this and an hour's gone by and you don't even realize it. Uh, but I want to thank you especially for uh, spending this hour with you and letting me learn more about, you You know, Jay has known you for a lot longer, but I look forward to future relationships with you and what we can do in my business, how I can help you in North Dakota. Uh, you know, we're doing a lot of commonality things that we should be able to get together and help each other in some amazing ways. And uh, so thank you for all the leadership things that you do. Thank you for being a great healthcare provider with a huge heart. And uh, thank you for being part of the uh, chiropractic world. 
Amen. I, I appreciate the the time that, uh, and it's important that we have people like you who can who can build these tools that can help us in practice. And the, and what you're doing with the podcast to really amplify this message and, and get it out to as many people as possible to make people aware that, that some of these opportunities are even available is just really important. So thanks for uh, committing the time to putting this all together. Well, you need to get Jay and I up to North Dakota at one of your conferences. We, a, we teach a pretty mean uh, cooperative class together about technology and we're taking the podcast. Florida has asked us here in a couple of weeks, we're going to use the podcast as the framework for teaching the class and moderating the class. So it's next week, Brad. It's next, next week. week. Yes, next week. I'm sorry. I keep yeah. putting it out. Uh, <laughs> so the podcast, you know, we hope that it it brings learning in a whole fun way with all the banter and the joking going back and forth. But at National, we're going to bring uh, some uh, an amazing guest that a, typically a chiropractic conference couldn't bring just too big of a individual and so we think that we'll bring it in virtually do the podcast have the fun things to do uh and we'll we're willing to take that on the road i think yeah get some audience look, participation too yeah great i look forward to hearing that what you have in mind uh you know f- for that conference and you're welcome in north dakota anytime i doubt you want to come up in the winter no no you're right about that, no, right yeah, that. springtime fall that's cool yeah, and these are CE classes, so we hope that we'll have really good attendance. We're going to try to get, uh, you know, we're, it's the first time, so technologically pull, pulling this off uh, <clears throat> might be a challenge, but we hope that we're going to involve the, uh, the, the people in the class. Uh, Jay and I and the guest, Mark, is going to be one of our guests talking about Cures Act next week. And uh, I think also in Orlando, he's going to be there in person. Yep. Along with Katie Talento, who was Trump's national director of healthcare policy. She had a great podcast with us, one of Jay's friends. And I am so excited about chiropractors hearing somebody of that level and that quality of, of really what is going on in healthcare. We, we have a whole different set of problems, we think it is, but she really brings it out. And here's really the true underlying problems that's, that's causing everybody pain. So. Yep. She's amazing. Yeah. Chris. And, and speaking of amazing, North Dakota is a great state. I was there a couple of years ago and it was an awesome convention. Uh, great turnout. Lots of awesome docs there. So yeah, we would love to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Chris, if somebody's listening to the podcast today and wants to get hold of you uh, to talk about some of the things that you're doing, some of the leadership things, some of the FQHC things, do you mind giving out a, a contact email that they can get hold of you at? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to talk to anybody, not just with questions, but if you think you have solutions, this is all a work in progress. So, you know, my my email is just my name, Chris Anderson, DC, and that's uh, K-R-I-S. So if you spell it with a C, you, you won't reach me. So don't blame me if you don't hear back, but K-R-I-S-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N-D-C, and that's at Gmail. All awesome. right. Thanks, brother. Jay. So good to have you. Any great words from capital of america anything new and exciting happening in dc can you ride your bike up to the capital now everything's kind of open up you can ride the perimeters gotten better but um the 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 actual kind of land that the capital is on right now the steps all that you can you can't you can't enter still still can't so it is still cordoned off but i'm hoping they open it sometime soon my friend because it's just 
you know, it's just a huge part of the city and we got to get back to normal. Yeah. Terrible uh, picture also, you know, I just, it's not what you think of America. So. Nope. So anyway, guys, listen, thank you very much. Thanks, it's fellas. It's been a great session. From Dr. J. Greenstein, I'm Brad Cost. Have a good day. That's a wrap. Live. Yeah. Next week from the Tech Talk Studios in Miami, Florida. Next week. It's Tech Talk.